0: Welcome into the NFL on Fox podcast presented by Verizon. I'm Dave Hellman back in the studio after the Christmas holiday. I hope you are coping with this parallel universe in between Christmas and New Year's better than I am. I only know what day of the week it is because I know we got Thursday night football, the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. Thank God for games regimenting my schedule. Otherwise I would be. So hopelessly lost. Hope it's going well for you. Got a jam packed show for you. All hell broke loose. We played games on three different days over Christmas weekend. Tuesday is typically the day off in the NFL when, when players are off and only coaches are in the building. And then right when everybody got back to work in the NFL on Wednesday, everything happened at once. We got quarterback changes galore, a major Benching out in Denver, Russell Wilson being replaced in the lineup by Sean Payton. Oh, by the way, Jair Alexander got suspended out of nowhere ahead of one of the Packers' biggest games of the season because he invited himself to the coin toss. I didn't make that up. That's a real story. We're going to get to it in just a sec because who better to help me parse through all of this nonsense than NFL on Fox Insider Peter Schrager? Join me as he always does on Thursday. For the cheat sheet presented by Honda, we covered the whole gamut. Benchings galore, a suspension, why not? And maybe talking about some Saturday night football as well. All right, Peter, we got some very real, very substantial quarterback news to get to today. But I, I can't have a conversation about the NFL without, like, we have to start with this Jair Alexander suspension because this is just, it's a story that, it feels more in in place in the nba where stuff like this happens it's, it's a little more absurdist cuz that's what this is i mean what do you what do you make of a team that is in the middle of a wild card hunt playing a must win game against a division rival and one of their best players is now suspended for uh party crashing at the pregame toy, uh coin toss
1: his his explanation at the locker room uh, at the locker was Absurd. I didn't. I don't even know if Coach knew I was from Charlotte, so I took it upon myself to go up there and instead of saying defer, says we'll be on defense, which is not what you say. You don't decide whether you're on defense or offense. You say whether you want the ball or you defer and the other team could decide. He wasn't supposed to be on. The, it, it is subordination at its, at, at, at its ultimate, and it's so selfish that he says, I don't think Coach realized I was from Charlotte. The game was in Charlotte. I should go out there. It's all met with a laugh because they won, but you can't let that slide. So now LaFleur, who's not known as a disciplinarian, is not known as a red ass, not known as one of those kinds of coaches, suspended them in arguably their biggest game of the season, which is against Minnesota on Sunday night, which everyone's going to be watching on New Year's Eve. Uh It's the weirdest year of NFL football if you think about all the backup quarterbacks that we've talked about and all the crazy uh, penalties that have been called. And in the first half of the season, all the fines that were being applied that now have kind of just like tapered off. Um, And then you add this wrinkle in and it's just another wild story in an 18-week season that Jair Alexander, arguably the best corner in football, is not going to be playing in arguably the biggest game of the season for his team because he took it upon himself to – make it a hometown kid done good slash going to go crash the coin toss. Bizarre story.
0: It is. It is so good. You're right that he's like, yeah, I just, I don't think coach realized like, you know, this is my moment. Like this is where (laughs) I'm from. Like,
1: okay. But having
0: said that I am, are you surprised? Cause I'm a little surprised. Like we, we see this at all levels of football. Like if you can ball, you get away with stuff. And like to, Knowing that Justin Jefferson is on the other sideline, mm. and knowing what Jair did against him last year, gritting all the, over him last year, I I'm I'm shocked that they didn't just like find him under the table and like not have this be a thing in the media. And yeah, like I said, I mean, you you gotta win this game to have a shot. It it makes me wonder about the vibes in Green Bay that that this led to a suspension that Matt Lafleur felt like he really had to put his foot down.
1: You know, a lot of times something like this will happen and it's a funny story and it's like, all right, whatever, let, let's go to battle. I'm like, I think Lafleur was making a statement that you know, that's completely unacceptable. It's such a it, it's such a swipe at his power and authority that he did it. I, I almost commend the coach for it. let's see if it comes back to haunt them. But if they don't make the playoffs this year, it's not because Jair Alexander didn't play in this game. It's because they lost the game to the Giants on Monday Night Football. It's because they lost you know multiple games that they should have won earlier in the season when Jordan Love was 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 dealing uh but big decision and uh you're right in a lot of ways this is one of those you roll your eyes either find the guy you slap on the wrist you have him run a couple more uh sprints in practice and everyone laughs about it but not in this case
0: you know i, I hear you yeah i mean it, it's it's fascinating that Lafleur took that step knowing what was on the line and Thank you to Jair Alexander for like years from now, I'm going to remember this and be like, man, this is the weirdest thing that's happened since Strange the Jair content. Alexander's.
1: Strange content. It's been that type of
0: year. All right. So there, there is bigger news uh, really across the NFL. I feel like everybody took, took the Tuesday day off to recover from the holiday. And then we get a flurry of quarterback news on Wednesday morning the, the chief among them all is what is what's going on in Denver. Again, another team fighting for its playoff life, and we find out Wednesday morning it's not going to be Russell Wilson trying to get this job done. It's going to be Jared Stidham. There's, a, I mean, I, I want to cover it all. There's a number of ways yeah. to go with this. I mean, it's it's the second time in as many years that Jared Stidham has been in this situation. <laughs> what I mean, what what's your first impression? I guess when you hear this news that Sean Payton made this call.
1: I don't know if it's performance based or it's financially based. And it's one of those deals where, you know, they are one in three in the last four games. And maybe this is to spark plug and kind to save the season. But the the way that Russ's contract is is drawn up, it's, it's one of these deals where he's already made a ton of guaranteed money from them. But if he gets injured, it really complicates things uh, on the contract side of it. So he has $37 million dollars that becomes guaranteed if he doesn't pass a physical in the off season. So God forbid he got hurt and then he couldn't pass the physical. He gets $37 million from the Broncos organization right there. In this case, Denver could hypothetically get out of that contract, either trading him or cutting him or doing something if he's healthy um, and passes the physical. So there is this sinister look of it as that it's a financial decision, not what's in the best interest of the team on the other end of it. Russ was great. Russ had some good moments, had some big fourth quarter moments, but that offense has been sputtering for the last month and they didn't sign Stidham for a dollar. He was like a $7 million backup. They spent real money on him. And I know when Sean Payton signed Stidham, there were multiple teams that were going after Stidham. And even when they signed him, there was buzz that maybe Payton is inheriting Russ and Stidham might be the guy that he actually wants to see on the field.
0: I mean, it, it, it's easy to forget, but again, Jared Stidham was in this situation last year when the, the Raiders essentially did the same thing to Derek Carr, yeah. and he he did throw for 360 yards and three touchdowns in a loss to San Francisco, which... It's it's wild the things your brain lets you forget at the tail end of these long seasons where you're like, holy crap, yeah, Jared Stidham did push the Niners to the brink. So maybe it's, maybe it's not completely unrealistic that he can give the Broncos some kind of lift.
1: Yeah, and he has no real history with Sean Payton yet in free agency when quarterbacks were all the buzz. They gave real money to Stidham. So I'm being Pollyanna here. I'm sure there's a lot more to this story than is being reported. I've known Sean very well for the last couple of years. He's been mums on this one, I'll tell you. There hasn't been a lot of buzz out of Sean, especially when you lose to the Patriots on national TV, one of the worst teams in football. Um, but I think there is there is a feeling of, hey, let's let's see what we got here in Stidham. But also, I don't think you're wrong if you're assuming it's a financial deal. They're like, let's not just give $40 million away to Russell Wilson. Let's Let's at least give ourselves some flexibility here.
0: I'm going to get way, way ahead of myself because why not, I guess. But, I mean, you mentioned, you know, I guess theoretically you could trade Russell Wilson. That seems completely unlikely to me just with the amount of money you're talking about and what you've seen out of Russ since he became a Bronco. That leads me to believe he's probably getting released. Again, I am getting ahead of myself, but I don't think that's a hard dot to connect. And so where, where do you think... (laughs) this goes for Russell Wilson. Like I said this morning, it's hard to imagine a guy who has accomplished what Russ has signing on to be a backup, but it's also hard to imagine somebody giving him a major contract to start for them. Like is Russell Wilson looking at a future of being like a bridge quarterback for a rookie or like, where do you think this goes? So
1: interesting. I, He's never had to be that guy. I covered their first training camp when he was a third-round pick, and the late Travaris Jackson was there, and Matt Flynn was there. And I was in Renton, Washington, when Russell Wilson was running circles around those guys, and he was crowned a starter day one of his NFL career. And now we're you know, 10 years removed, 11 years removed. And I've never seen him have to compete for a starting job. I've never seen him be the veteran backup in the quarterback's ear because he's always, he's always been healthy. He's always been that guy. So – you know Baker Mayfield this year was kicked around a bit. Uh, you know from Rams, from the Panthers, from the Browns, and then signs on with Tampa. And it's like it's going to be Baker or Trask, and he won the job. And Baker's been a great story. If Baker Mayfield can get a starting job, if Derek Carr can get a huge contract this past offseason, is there not another team that you think is going to say, "All right, we'll take it on with Russ"? The question is, do you want to take all that comes with Russ? Which that sounds like it's negative, but you do have Super Bowl and be, you still have Super Bowl winner. Do you have a guy that's been an all pro? You've got all these things that go with it that like Russ might not necessarily want to fight for a job and might want to be the starter. And that might not be on the table for many teams this season.
0: I think Baker is the perfect comparison because what I mean, I don't know his deal off the top of my head, but I think Baker got like four or five million four to million, go to camp-
1: one year deal with a bunch of incentives and he hit them all. <laughs>
0: Which I mean, yeah, no, no, few people are winning more than Baker Mayfield right now. Like, let, me, but...
1: let me throw this out there: Atlanta Falcons. Say they finish too good to be in the top five for a quarterback or top ten sure. for a quarterback. Like I'm just throwing a team out that might be in the search for a quarterback: the Atlanta Falcons, the Washington Commanders. If they don't yep. draft one, um, y- you consider, you know, what what are we gonna do? In in, well. I, I don't want to – in Minnesota, if they walk away from Kirk sure. Cousins, which I don't think they will, but you can count it on one hand, man. It's not like there's 20 teams lining up for Russell Wilson. No,
0: I, I mean, I, I think your, your option is a very Baker-Mayfield situation where it's like, okay, you can – you can count your losses and and be a backup somewhere, or I, I guess walk away. Period, if that's what you want to do. Or yeah, there's probably like three teams where you could get a shot to go in and compete. It is, it's strange to think about for for yeah, like you said. I mean, Russell Wilson's been the man since he stepped in the NFL, but that seems like where this is headed. I am glad though. I'm glad you mentioned Washington because they changed their quarterback as well. I don't. This one's not particularly surprising. Seeing the way that Jacoby Brissett has played in place of Sam Howell in the late quarters of these games. But that is potentially a team where I, I, I feel bad closing the book on Sam Howell. Yet. Yeah. I, I guess think, they don't, they don't, they don't have to, if they don't want to, but maybe that is a situation where you bring in a veteran, like a Russell Wilson to, to at least compete or or add something to that room or mentor
1: or mentor a first round pick. If they have a top five pick and they take also, the yeah. Yeah, totally. You say, you say, Russ, you're here for you. I mean, look, Sam Howell, he actually led the league in passing at some points this season. Like he had some big numbers, but Brissett objectively was better than the last two weeks. They would put Brissett in at the end of these games against the Rams and the Jets, and they came storming back. If anything, if I'm Jacoby Brissett, I'm like, seriously, dude, now you're gonna throw me to the Wolves against the 49ers and the Cowboys. Like that's when I get to play. I'd be a little pissed if I was Jacoby Brissett And Hey, look, I, I put good film on paper. I don't know if I need to necessarily start these games and get fed to the wolves. Uh, but that's a decision. I, I love Ron Rivera. I think that he's one of the best coaches uh, of the last, you know, 10 years as far as being a great leader of men. And I'm not sure what the future in Washington is top to bottom. I also don't know if Josh Harris, the new owner, wants to say, all right, finally have a chance to bring in my franchise quarterback and maybe a new coach and maybe a new whatever else. And we're going to start it off with Russell Wilson, which has now been, you know, kicked to the curb by two different teams.
0: That actually, that sounds like something that would have happened in the last ownership yeah, era in yeah, Washington. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you want to go down that road. And yeah, I'm when I said I'm not ready to close the book on Sam Howell potentially being a good player, but like if you are Washington's management and ownership, based on what you've seen, I don't think you roll into this new era banking on that. Especially, yeah, yeah I mean it, it's looking like they're going to be assured of a top ten draft pick. I think you probably take a bigger swing than that
1: absolutely i would agree with that and i think howell had a shot of having that job over the last few weeks they've lost every one of these games so no
0: has anybody done more with like less thanks for it than jacoby Brissett? like i just feel like year after year
1: after year no matter where he goes he's always there and he can always win you a game or two i think the only other guy It's Brissett and Minshew to me, the last five years. Like you throw them into the mix, like your team's gonna be okay. You're gonna win a couple games and they're gonna lose a couple games, but they're gonna they're gonna be good enough. Where, you know, you look at Cleveland last year, they go to Brissett, like he hung in there for them. The Dolphins the year before that when Tua got hurt. But when you look at teams like the Jets, who fall apart when they don't have a stable backup, or even the Giants, once Tyrod went down and they went to DeVito and they won a couple games, but like there's always going to be a place for Jacoby Brissett. There's always going to be a place for Gardner Minshew because those guys, they can win a football game and they have no egos. They're willing to take the back seat to the starting quarterback, whether it's a younger guy or a more veteran guy.
0: I mean, I'm not, I'm not wired the way these guys are. Like, I'm sure it drives them crazy, but me. Has to. Me not being wired that way, I'm like, man, there's I can think of worse things than making, you know, that type of money to, yeah. you know, hold a clipboard most of the time and maybe get a shot every few weeks. But yeah, I just J- Jacoby Brissett in particular, I can't help but imagine if if Atlanta had shown more interest or or one of these other teams, or if Washington had not waited so long to make this move, maybe they would be a more relevant part of this conversation. I have- the guy just I have yeah.
1: photos of all the different quarterbacks I used to interview after wins um when I was a sideline reporter. And I was a sideline reporter for Fox from like twenty twelve to twenty nineteen, I guess, like seven years. So I got all the guys. I have a photo of me and Jacoby Brissett in a game where I believe he beat Brian Hoyer in the 49ers in Indianapolis. And like that's I mean, date yourself. Like, that's how long Brissett's been doing this as the fill-in guy. And it was when he filled in for Andrew Luck after he had a career in new England. So he's just been around and every teammate loves him. And he came into the league as a huge Parcells guy. Parcells was his biggest champion. So he's got important voices in his corner and he's always been a great teammate.
0: One last spot. I want to finish up with that's, that's one of the local teams, the giants also officially making the switch to to Taylor, who came in replaced Tommy DeVito and, and looked much better doing it. But I feel like, I'm a little more curious about this just because like, it's easy to look at Washington and say, yeah, okay. Like you're probably turning the page and starting everything over again when this season is over. But the giants are just more interesting to me because Daniel Jones is still there. Uh, I assume the regime isn't going to change over. Like where, where do you see that going? And and I, I understand that Tommy DeVito was struggling, but I'm a little more surprised that you don't just try to weather that storm and see if he can show you anything else
1: yeah mike vaccaro is the local like you know writer here in new york the big columnist with the biggest pen and he had a column today saying you know you've got to go out with devito the final two weeks like we got to at least see what tommy is if he's the backup of the future and what's the point if we lose you get a better draft pick like go out swinging with devito And then they go with the conservative pick and go with Tyrod Taylor, who's a longtime veteran backup, who could win you a game, can move the chains. But, you know, he's not the future um, starter by any means. He's just one of those guys, a veteran backup at this point, just like Jacoby Brissett. I was surprised by it also. I guess they thought that the level of play was so, so far superior with Tyrod once he went in than than, uh, DeVito that – Story and narrative and salaries aside, like, you know, you look at the rest of the team, they get a better shot of winning the game against the Rams this weekend with Tyrod Taylor, at quarterback.
0: To be fair to them, I agree with that. Like, I mean, they clearly played a lot better when Taylor came in. And and uh, speaking of underappreciated backups, Tyrod Taylor totally. is right up there as well. I mean, he's done plenty of stuff in this league, but I think that's, it's the disconnect between like the team itself, which has a lot of pride and wants to win football games and me just looking at it from the outside saying like, but yeah, what are you going to accomplish other than messing up your draft stock? If you potentially pull some of these wins off,
1: you can't look at the rest of the team. You know this, you can't look at those guys who are fighting every single day, putting their bodies on the line and saying, we're going to have the best chance to win today with Tommy DeVito. When they all know that if a healthy tie rods available, he's the guy. I do. Th- I, I think that is, you could that's lose the, the team biggest... for next year, you know, like that's yep. it. Like Dable has their respect, obviously. And they've had some issues this year with him and sort of the chemistry of him and the defensive coordinator. They've uh, Jake Lazor reported on that extensively that it's not all been roses in New York. It's been a very rough year in New York. And I don't know if you lose the locker room if you say, well, the DeVito story is fun and, you know, let's just keep rolling with it.
0: No, I think that's, that's probably the biggest disconnect, to be fair, uh, that I think not enough people understand is like, that's what 60 players and 30 coaches that work their ass off to get results. And, you know, going out there and posting 160 total yards week after week, just it, it's not realistic to expect to, to keep morale high, to keep the team invested doing that type of stuff. So maybe, maybe it doesn't make the most sense in the big picture of the New York Giants, but it'll make a lot of things a lot more tolerable for a lot of people in that building. Totally, totally. All right, Matt. Well, we'll I mean, it, it's that time of year where mm-hmm. I mean, you're either it's you're either right in the middle of the playoff spot race or you're just trying to grind this thing out and get to the end. I look, I know how hard you're working during the holidays, hey, man. So
1: let, let me tell you, it, the, the most interesting game this weekend is not Baltimore Miami. It's what you what your old uh, city is Detroit versus Dallas, and I'll tell you, I put this out there on Twitter or X or whatever the hell we call it these days. If Detroit wins out, beating Dallas and Minnesota, and the Niners lose to the Rams, Detroit is your one seed and has a bye the first round of the playoffs, and the playoffs in the NFC of all places goes through forward field. So I think everyone's looking at this game as the Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones, you know, getting put in the ring of honor, and it's Buck and Aikman on the call, and it's a very big Cowboys feel to it. Um, Detroit may come in there and shake things up.
0: I also, I mean, yeah, Jimmy Johnson is obviously the dominant storyline. I also think, look, I mean, Dallas has struggled the last two weeks, but it's all been on the road, and now we've got this narrative of like, oh, they're they're heading back home. They can't lose at home. They can't lose at home. Take a look at that Lions offensive line and take a look at what the Cowboys have been doing rushing the passer. It hasn't been quite as dynamic as what we're used to. Uh, yeah, I I I can't say I'd be shocked if the Lions have uh have go in there and spoil that party. I don't think that's a stretch at all. And and you're right. I mean, it's so I say this all the time and I but I never internalize it is like you sit there and you're like, "Oh, the Niners, they got the one seed on lock. Yeah. Like this thing's over 3 weeks ahead of time." And now one slip by any of these guys. And yeah, you could be talking about a Detroit Lions one seed. And how
1: about the irony that if it comes down to that, it'll probably be a Sunday night NBC Rams Niners game. And it'll be Matthew Stafford playing on behalf of all of Detroit, trying to get them a one seed as he's an LA Ram trying to beat the Niners. It's all poetry and it's all symmetry. It's cool. I like it.
0: The way that particularly the NFC, like some of the storylines are just shaping up to be too good, whether it's It's like a potential Detroit Rams playoff game, Cowboys having to go on the road, very likely to get to the second round. I mean, you could be talking, you know what it was two years ago that the Rams let the Niners into the playoffs and the Niners made it all the way
1: to Niners were up 10 in the fourth quarter on the NFC championship game and found a way to lose.
0: I can't say I'd be surprised to see like the inverse of that situation playing out. Oh, okay, speaking of getting ahead of ourselves, that's what I'm doing right I now. Know. But well, that's what we do. I, look, I I'm like I, I love every week. You can't take it for granted. But I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, all right, let's get to let's it's get to like, nut cutting time. Like let's, let's get go. This. So we'll be there for it man like i said i know how hard you're working right now and uh and i appreciate the time and uh you know stick with us as we finally get closer to the playoffs but always a blast talking to you peter
1: same dude thank you
0: benchings aren't the only big quarterback news heading into week 17 there's also two big injury situations to monitor and they're both in the same division cj stroud trying to work his way back from a concussion for houston trevor lawrence now dealing with a shoulder sprain for jacksonville on top of several other injuries that have bothered him here in December, and it's in the AFC South, the same division, one of the most hotly contested division races in the league, three teams with the same record separated by just tiebreakers. I think it's fascinating. The AFC South simultaneously, one of just three divisions where three teams have a winning record. It's also the only division in the NFL where all four teams have a negative point differential Not surprising if you've watched the last few weeks there, but two big boosts could come if these two quarterbacks are available. So I'm joined now by our buddy, Ben Arthur, Fox sports, AFC South writer. Who's here to help me break down all of the uncertainty in the AFC South. All right, Ben, when we started checking in with you, this was the surprisingly good division. And now it feels like the division that nobody really wants to win. At least that's the vibe here over the last few weeks. But in Houston, uh, a glimmer of hope is that C.J. Stroud is a limited participant in practice heading into this week. What degree of optimism do you think we should have that C.J. Stroud's back in the lineup?
2: Yeah, I, I think our expectation should be pretty high that, that he's going to return, right? As you said, limited participant in, in practice Wednesday uh, had, had kind of started ramping up, I think, at the end of last week with participating in, in meetings uh last Friday for, for the first time in a while. Uh, missing those two games, obviously, and and kind of getting back into it. I, I know a lot of the Texans folks, uh, like players and and coach D'Amico Rines, uh, talked about kind of how like the spirit is, is a lot higher, uh, with CJ being back. And I'd say there's a really good chance of him. Uh, playing, uh, D'Amico, uh, Ryan's had mentioned how CJ is in phase four. Uh, and so, um, he, he's really on the cusp of, um, you know, that, that last, uh, what, what is it? The, um, contact practice and then getting cleared by the independent neurologist. So he, he seems to be right there. And so I, I would expect him, uh, to, to make his return, uh, from, from the concussion this week against the Titans.
0: So obviously so much of this is dependent on the quarterback. I get that. And the Texans are what averaging about two touchdowns per game in the time since CJ went down. But we also know the other injuries that they've faced. There are other reasons for their offensive struggles than just the quarterback. Is it as easy as, as putting CJ Stroud back in? I mean, obviously that'll make a difference, but with the other problems that they've faced, how much of a difference do you think that'll make?
2: Yeah, I think Dave, because of what we've seen CJ do, right? Like early in the season, seemingly just seemingly just being able to, to carry the Texans, uh, transcending issues on the O line or the run game or, or the defense, uh, and and able to to lead the the uh, the Texans in that way. But I think at this point in the year, and then of course with CJ coming off a concussion, you, you're not maybe quite sure exactly what you're expecting and you need if you're the Texans that the defense to really uh, rise to the occasion. And uh, right now you don't maybe really know what you're going to get from them. I mean, their entire defensive line is on the injury report. Jonathan Grenard with an ankle injury, Will Anderson uh, Jr. with with the high ankle sprain, he he sprained, uh, uh, you know, the injury he sustained a few weeks ago, Malik Collins and Sheldon Rankins are also on the injury report. Um, and they they really struggled generating uh pressure uh, against Joe Flacco last week a big reason why Joe Flacco and and by extension Amari Cooper were able to um kind of do as much damage as they did just because uh, Will Anderson didn't play and then Jonathan Grenard was lost in the first quarter and they weren't able to get to Flacco and and that caused all kinds of issues and so um so so I think from a defensive standpoint, you you are maybe a little concerned. Um, It's still early in the, in the week at this point, but you do want to see some of those guys get, get back. I mean, it's really unclear at this point what Renard's status is. Uh, Will Anderson has missed the last three games. And so you hope that's been enough rest for him to kind of get back. Right. But uh I am concerned about this Texans' pass rush, and then by by extension, they have given up a lot of explosive pass plays uh, the last few weeks. and And a big reason for that is because of their uh, the lack of uh, of an ability to generate a consistent pass rush. So, yep, CJ coming back is, is great and all, and and you're certainly encouraged by what Devin Singletary is given you in the run game for for the last several weeks now, but defensively, uh, I think there is concern uh, because I I think everything for the Texans' defense starts with that D-line, and if they're not generating the pressure they need to and and then stopping the run, too, then I I think that kind of becomes an issue for them.
0: Let's turn to the team that the Texans, and for that matter, the Colts, are trying to catch, and the Jacksonville Jaguars certainly seem like they're trying to let themselves be caught losing four straight games. We know Trevor Lawrence sprained his shoulder. We know that Trevor Lawrence has dealt with about four injuries at this point in the season. I think I have that right. I'm not doubting his toughness. And like he, he was at practice this week. He, he watched CJ Bethard take the starters reps on Wednesday. Definitely not doubting his toughness, but From what we've seen from Trevor trying to gut through these injuries, is him playing through all of this even the right call at this point? Because you can't help but notice the turnover issues that he's had trying to gut through all this stuff.
2: Yeah, honestly, Dave, I'm not sure a lot of his turnovers have been related uh, to the injuries. I I mean, some of it, uh, I I mean, certainly maybe in some games, like like I remember the, the 49ers game several weeks ago. Uh, when the Niners just kind of harassed him in the pocket and he just wasn't able to move well because of that knee injury he had. And and so uh, I think, yeah, there are certainly instances like that, but then there have been a lot of instances where they've just kind of been, you know, just poor ball security in the pocket or uh, in the Ravens game on MNF where he scrambled into the red zone and then just, like dropped the ball and then the Ravens recovered and, and and took it the other way like no one touched him and and it was a scramble like I said and so uh I'm sure the the injuries have impacted him and and it, it certainly has impacted him from from a practice and a rep standpoint he's missed a lot of practice this season because of uh, these injuries he's tended to, and and maybe the, the timing is a bit off with some of the receivers. And and, and I, I think that's a, another reason uh, for some of these interceptions in particular, where he just seems to be completely out of sync uh, with uh, the pass catchers. But I, I think it's really nuanced. Dave, I, I think, as I said, I, I think maybe some of these turnovers are maybe related to uh, limited mobility, but some of these interceptions or lost fumbles, I, I mean, I don't think they have anything to do with kind of those issues. And, and turnovers have been a, an issue for Trevor Lawrence since he entered the the NFL. I, I believe this year he has 19 giveaways. I, I know since he entered the NFL in 2021, he has eight games of at least three giveaways, which is more than any other player in that span by three uh, games. So uh, so turnovers aren't exactly a new thing uh, for Trevor. And even today, he, he spoke to reporters uh, and acknowledged in particular, like with being in the pocket, like he does have to do a better job of like the ball security because uh, a lot of these lost fumbles are just kind of coming from guys just like swiping and being able to get, get, get the ball that way. So um, I think it's kind of a multi-layered response, Dave. I think maybe it has had some impact, but then Trevor just needs to play better. And I know he's acknowledged that and said it publicly too.
0: Well, the other side of this too, you're right. I mean, it's easy to fixate on the number one overall pick, but this Jags defense allowed points on six straight possessions to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last weekend at this point. I mean, we're, we're past the point of saying like, how can you fix it? Right? Like, I don't know that there's enough time left in the season, but short of saying fix it, I mean, is there anything that they can do to at least improve the results enough to drag this thing over the finish line?
2: Yeah, Dave, it kind of feels like they've just like they have like these big wounds and they're just like trying to put Band-Aids on to to, like kind of stop the bleed, which keeps coming. Right. Like so uh, there isn't a simple fix, as you said. And I think a lot of those the issues they've had even stem from some of their inactivity in the off season and at the trade deadline. Like we, everyone knew that the, te- the, the Jags needed to get another pass rusher and more defensive reinforcements, but, but they didn't add anyone of no, no uh, of note in free agency. They didn't make a move for a pass rusher at the trade deadline, which drove a lot of people in Jacksonville crazy. And, the same pass rush issues they had last season are the same ones we're seeing right now. Outside of Josh Allen and and Trayvon Walker, I do have to give him some credit. He has picked it up. He has seven sacks uh, this year uh, at this point. But outside of those two, you're not getting a, a great pass rush. And then their, their pass defense has been vulnerable, I think, because you're not able to get that consistent pressure. And this defense is so reliant On takeaways, like if they don't get takeaways, they don't really they they can't consistently stop the the opposing offenses. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really have an answer for you, Dave, other than kind of going to what Doug Peterson was saying today. Whereas uh, it, it just comes down to pride, like it, it seemed, like he he acknowledged this, and Trevor Lawrence acknowledged this too. Like everyone seems to know what the issues are; they just have to go out and, and do it. There, there has to be a pride uh, with that, uh, in in kind of knowing what's at stake, and and all these guys are professionals, right? Like, kind of kind of play with that integrity because a lot of these issues can't really maybe be fixed at at this point. And, um, so, so yeah, I don't really have a good answer to that. Uh, that they just, I I think one thing that will help that they are, it looks like they are going to get Cam Robinson back. He's their left tackle and, uh, you know, he's missed eight games this year. And honestly, a lot of the run game issues they've had on the offensive side of the ball have been, when Cam Robinson plays, the run game is just so much better, which helps their balance on offense and, and kind of helps all of that. And, and I think expecting to have him back is huge for Travis Etienne to maybe take pressure off of the pass game, which we know has led to a lot of these uh, giveaways. And so um, I, I think that's a little thing that can help. But as you said, Dave, I mean a lot of these issues that have kind of been season long issues. And if they haven't been able to figure it out at this point in the year, uh, I'm not sure what you can expect with two games left. Um, So like I said, I think maybe it just kind of comes down to a pride, right? Like, um, so I, I don't, I don't really have a good answer for you on that one.
0: That's, that's perfectly okay, Ben, because look like there, there's not enough time, right? There's two games yeah. left. And the fun thing is, something's got to happen. All three teams with the same record, throw the Indianapolis Colts in there as well. Depending on what the results look like this weekend, you could have any number of them in the lead heading into the final week of the season. We'll see how the Texans potentially adding CJ Stroud to the mix changes the math. But even if this isn't the prettiest division race in the NFL, it's certainly going to be the most entertaining in my opinion, just because Who the hell knows which one of these teams is going to rally here in the final two weeks. So I'm looking forward to seeing it, Ben, as always, man, I appreciate the time.
2: No problem, Dave. Thanks for having me. All
0: right, let's wrap up the show with the final Thursday night football game of the 2023 season. No Thursday, no Monday night games in week 18. That's how it goes heading into the playoffs. So we wrap up Thursday nights with the New York jets going to Cleveland To face the surging Browns. And I got to be honest, it's a surprisingly funny history between these two teams. Not a division matchup, but there's just a lot of amusing history here. Maybe you can remember back to 2018, Cleveland Browns snapped their famous 19-game losing streak by beating the Jets back in week three of that season, also on a Thursday night. If that wasn't funny enough, it was just a few years ago in 2020, it was actually the Jets beating... A 10 and 5 Browns team, just like this year, on this exact weekend, that lifted an abysmal Jets team to a 2 and 13 record, gifted the number one overall pick to Jacksonville. It's stuff like this that lands Trevor Lawrence with the Jags instead of the New York Jets. That's why, look, you can find a reason to be invested in these games no matter what. Obviously, the number one pick not on the line in this game, but you never know what's going to happen with draft ordering. Maybe a result here sends an all-pro player to one of these cities for some reason or another. Yes, I'm reaching, but bear with me here. This is, this is the sick type of stuff I love. It's also the Joe Flacco Bowl. It's his last two teams facing off against each other. Obviously, Flacco having an end of career moment, a renaissance, if you want to call it that. a uh, One last green flash at sunset, Joe Flacco literally heading off into the sunset. And the New York Jets, the team that employed him just a year ago. Actually, it was just last year that Flacco led a frantic fourth quarter comeback against the Browns in week two two touchdown drives inside the final 90 seconds of that game rallied the jets from a 30 to 17 deficit to a 31 30 win. Looked like Joe Flacco was going to have some magic in New York, but he'd wind up starting just two more games that season. Zach Wilson taking over as the starter. The rest is history, but it's, it's ironic to think about that watching what Joe Flacco has done here. The Browns benefiting from the magic, from the 38-year-old Flacco that the Jets have been so desperate to experience. Obviously, you can't predict that Aaron Rodgers was going to tear his Achilles, but Joe Flacco was hanging out on the couch for quite a while before the Cleveland Browns called him. I wonder how many people in the Jets organization wish that they had gone back to the well, maybe bring Joe in. You know, he, he would have known how to get there. He knows the directions to Florham Park, I, if I had to guess. regardless, Flacco. Has led the Browns to a three and one record, three straight wins. Browns have gone from a iffy, eh, maybe we'll make it seven and five, to a damn near lock, sitting at ten and five, and literally on the cusp of the playoffs. If they win tonight against the Jets, they're into the postseason. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. You win, and you're in. And even if they don't win, they're in an awfully enviable position. A loss by any of the three of Pittsburgh, Buffalo. Jacksonville this weekend locks up a playoff spot. Actually, if the Houston's and Colts both lose, that's another way they can get in. It gets confusing. The point is it's like a 99 and percent chance that the Cleveland Browns will be playing playoff football and they're actually still alive in the AFC North race. The Ravens can lock it up this weekend, but in the rare world where the Ravens lose out and the Browns win out, they could still win the AFC North. Even if that doesn't happen, hell of a success story to be at double-digit wins with two games left to play. They're on their fourth quarterback. Flacco wasn't a twinkle in anybody's eye in Cleveland when the season started. You lose Nick Chubb. We've been through it. It's incredibly impressive, and all that stands in the way is Trevor Simeon's New York Jets, because Zach Wilson was concussed last week. He won't play. Simeon 393 passing yards in three appearances this season, just one touchdown it's had 88 attempts as a jet this season. And he's only got 30 more passing yards than Flacco threw for last week against Houston. Just to give you a reminder of how bleak this jets offense can be. It feels like a lifetime ago that Zach Wilson was playing surprisingly well against the Kansas city chiefs early on in the season. The jets are mathematically eliminated from the postseason. We don't have to, to talk about that, but it's interesting to note they finished the season with the new England Patriots who are, who are down near the bottom of the league. If they managed to win this game, they would have a shot to avoid a fourth consecutive season with double digit losses. If they went out, they would be eight and nine. They avoid the dreaded 10 plus losses. I'm sure a lot of Jets fans would prefer that that not happen this time of year when the playoffs are out of reach. You'd rather get the losses and the better draft pick that comes with it, like we were just talking about, missing out on Trevor Lawrence. But like I mentioned with Peter Schrager earlier in the show, don't rule out how much stuff like that matters to the coaches and players. They don't give a damn who the front office is drafting in April. They care about not having 10 plus wins hanging over them for four straight years. I think that'll matter. And that's why I'm surprised. The Browns are favored by a hefty seven and a half points in this game. And I know the Jets aren't very good, especially on offense. That's still a huge spread. I'm going to be surprised if this is a complete walk in the park for the Browns. I That's just the way the NFL works. I think this is going to be much more of a dogfight than that, which would be very fitting for the dog pound. I hate myself too. I'm sorry about the puns. I think this will be an inc- not, maybe not an entertaining game, but a close game. Two really solid defenses. Maybe Trevor Simeon does just enough, or more realistically, maybe Brees Hall can put the Jets' offense on his back a little bit. But the matchup that I want to watch that would be the Browns' receivers, specifically Amari Cooper, if he plays against this Jets secondary. Amari Cooper dealing with a knee injury right now; he's officially questionable. But with the playoffs. Right there for the taking. I'm going to guess he suits up and plays in this game. Amari Cooper, first receiver in history to win Offensive Player of the Week honors with three different teams. He went absolutely insane against Houston last week. 265 receiving yards, two touchdowns, just torched the Houston Texans. And interestingly enough, 211 of those yards were air yards. Like, it's not like he was housing bubble screens and taking slants the distance against Houston. He was going deep, and Flacco was bombing it away to him. Pro Football Focus says that's the first, or excuse me, the most air yards in a single game since they started tracking that stat in 2006. Almost 20 years, nobody's had more air yards than what we saw from Coop last week. I still can't get over how many fantasy leagues were probably decided by that performance, but what a matchup for Cooper and the other Browns receivers. The jets have not allowed a 300 yard passer in 33 consecutive games. It's the longest streak in the league. If there's one thing you feel good about with the New York jets, it's the combination of sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. According to PFF sauce, Gardner's grade by their metrics this season, 90.2. It only trails Chicago's Jalen Johnson, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Once again, I don't think sauce is getting as much limelight this year because the jets were well out of the race by December, but still playing at a very high level. DJ Reed also a top 20 graded cornerback in the NFL this season, according to PFF. So these are two really quality cornerbacks. I would be surprised to see Amari Cooper go off the way he did again. In fact, Pretty rare territory for Amari, as wonderful career as he's had. He's never had three straight 100-plus-yard games. He's sitting on two in a row right now, really benefiting from the addition of Joe Flacco to this team. Hasn't had two straight 100-yard receiving games in over a year. It was way back at the beginning of last season that he last did it. So if he manages another performance like that, it would be rare error for him. Rare error for anybody, clearly, against this Jets secondary. I think it's also worth mentioning this is a bad matchup for the offensive lines the jets have started 12 different combinations up front this season that's the most in the nfl the browns plenty of issues of their own losing three different offensive tackles for the year and these are two fantastic pass rushes i think joe flacco and trevor simeon are both going to have their work cut out for them staying in the pocket long enough to do much of anything I would be surprised if we see a 300-yard performance either way. And that goes back to my point. It's the NFL. I think the Jets will be highly motivated. One last opportunity to to show their stuff. Goodness knows we've watched a lot of Jets football in prime time. I just think it's going to be a grimy December in Cleveland type of football game. Just the type of game the football gods intended. Temperatures in the 40s. I see there's a 50% chance of rain in Cleveland tonight thinking a sloppy game, a gritty game. AFC North fans should know how to appreciate that. I will take the Browns to get the win, but if it's something like 24 to 19, maybe a lot of field goals, I'm not going to be surprised, but I do think by the end of the night, Cleveland will officially be in the playoff field. We'll see how it goes either way. We'll be here on Friday to recap it, tell you what it means, and we will have a loaded preview for week 17. So much good football on the horizon. We've got more to say about the Cowboys and the Lions. Tampa Bay and New Orleans are playing a huge game in the NFC South this weekend as well. We'll talk to Greg Olson about that. Everything else you need to know, the Ravens playing the Dolphins this weekend. Just a few things on the line there in Baltimore. We got the whole thing, your whole week 17 preview coming your way on Friday till then, please go find us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please go find the YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you find your NFL news, we'll be there. We appreciate it so much. Hope you're navigating the holiday week better than I am. I will catch y'all next time. Appreciate it.